Hi, I'm Lindsay with Valentium, and I'm talking with medtech industry leaders on how they change lives for a better world. The inventions and technologies are fascinating, and so are the people who work with them. There was a period of time where I realized fundamentally my job was to go hang out with really smart people that are saving lives and then do work that would help them save more lives. I got into the business to save lives and it is incredibly motivating to work with people who are in that same business, saving or improving lives. What better industry than where I get to wake up every day and just save people's lives? These are extraordinary people doing extraordinary work. And this is The Leading Difference. Hello, and welcome to The Leading Difference. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am excited to introduce you to my guest today, Miguel Addo. Miguel is a passionate leader in the medical devices, internet of things, and consumer wearables spaces, and works for Volare Systems. Miguel, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, Lindsay, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chat as well. Absolutely. Well, I was wondering if you don't mind starting by just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this industry. Sure. Yeah. Oh my, where do I start? It's been an interesting <laughs> ride. I've lived in nine countries. I was born and raised in Portugal, in Lisbon. I went to high school in Rome, Italy, and then I lived in Paris, France, in London, England, in Munich, Germany. Spent many years in Rio and Sao Paulo in Brazil. Lived in Buenos Aires in Argentina. Went to college in Florida and grad school in Ohio and doctorate school in New York. And I worked for some fantastic companies. I worked for Procter & Gamble and Pepsi and Hewlett Packard and Petco, the retailer, and Cigna Healthcare. That was my first kind of exposure to the healthcare side in a way. And now I live in San Diego. I'm married to Lindy. She's British and we have two teenagers. Olivia's 15 and Nico is 13. And I joined this company called Valera Systems uh, almost a year ago in May of 2022. And we focus on medical devices. We help healthcare and medical and wearable and IoT companies develop and design their prototypes and their devices. And I just love where I am in my career at this point and my personal life with, with my family and geographically, we love San Diego. So yeah, it's been a very interesting journey indeed. To your second question, the whole medical healthcare side obviously touches all of us personally, right? We have parents and relatives who get older and unfortunately sometimes sicker. So it touches us on the personal side. I, I, I lost my father years ago due to a health condition. So on that personal side, I have obviously strong affinity to this industry and to this space because I want to make the world better. And it's almost a cliche, but I also want to help people live longer and healthier lives. And then on the professional side, I'm trying to think, I've worked so closely with healthcare and medical devices and pharmaceutical companies through the years when I was at Hewlett Packard for 12 years. I worked for a company called VMware as well. I was with Cigna Healthcare Insurance for three years. And now at Valer Systems, 80% of our business is around medical devices and medical wearable devices as well, not just the FDA classes one, two, and three. So not just on the skin, like a wearable watch or a ring or a skin patch, but also other types of devices that actually go inside the body, like a stent or a catheter, or perhaps devices that are used in 
robotical arms for surgery, et cetera. So I'm very close to the medical device world and the med tech industry as the head of sales and marketing here at Valer. And yeah, from a personal side, I'm very passionate about this industry as well. Yeah. Well, first of all, your background is so cool. And I love that you've lived in so many diverse places. I, I have to ask, is there a favorite? I get that question all the time. And my, my kind of cheesy answer, my wife thinks is so cheesy. Lindsay, I love the most the place where I am currently. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I always say that. I always try to, at least. Uh, don't always succeed, but I try to live in the here and now. So I try to enjoy the most the place where I am currently. But uh, certainly looking back, I'm very biased to Portugal. I love going back. I go back twice a year to visit my mom and my friends and family. In fact, I told you before the recording, I'm going to Portugal next week to uh, visit my mom for her big 80th birthday. I'm so excited about that. So I always like going back to Portugal. But my favorite country in the world is by far Italy, both because, of course, historically and culturally and in terms of beauty and architecture and food and fashion, it's astounding. But also just because I lived there from the ages of 14 to 18, went to an American high school in Rome, and those are formative years. That's when you start to become an adult and you start to really define who you're going to be. And and who I am today is in large part because of that time in, in Italy. So I absolutely love my time there. And I love living in California now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that perspective. I think that's a great way to go about life and just enjoy where you are in the moment. And I guess also take the good from the various other places you've gotten to experience along the way as well. So I love that. But I agree with you that Europe definitely has some particular charms. Yeah, for sure. As does the U.S., as does Asia. Of course. Mm-hmm. As everywhere does. But it's interesting. Yeah, this whole thing, I've been talking a lot with my wife about this as well. She's a life coach. And it's very interesting how, isn't it true? Isn't it just so absolutely true that we in our lives spent most of our time revisiting the past with regrets or anger or sadness or whatever, or pre-living the future with anxiety and doubt and insecurities. We're never in the moment, right? I've been talking about this with my teenage children as well. We're always worried about what's going to happen next and sad or regretful or upset about something happened in the past. And I think that's just something I've been working on myself, and it's been an interesting topic with my family as well, if we can live in the here and now, just enjoy this moment and just learn from this moment. You don't have to enjoy it. Not everything is joy in life. And thank God, because you need to have a balance. But uh, it's an interesting challenge that I'm presenting to myself. And I'm using this podcast on tech <laughs> industry with you, Lindsay, to remind myself, just enjoy this moment. Enjoy this podcast and nothing yeah. else matters. Enjoy this podcast right now. I love that. I love that perspective. Well, and that actually brings up an interesting thought. So, you know, as you were talking about that, I absolutely agree with you. But what's interesting is in the med tech industry specifically, there's, of course, such an emphasis on innovation. And it is partially to either solve 
past dilemmas or perhaps anticipate future ones. So how do you think about that in terms of your role of sales and marketing for Valer? How are you able to stay present and grateful for the here and the now, but also think about it in terms of the industry, which sort of naturally has to be both problem solving and problem anticipating? That is such an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, let me think about that for a second. I really like that. And I guess it could apply to most themes in our personal, family, or professional lives, right? You gotta learn from your past, obviously. You gotta just not repeat the same mistakes of the past. I think that's the definition of insanity, right? So you wanna learn from that. And obviously you're looking to the future. We all want in the med tech industry to cure cancer, right? And obviously you wanna have a future goal and you want to learn from the past experiences, failures, and successes. And certainly, I'm a marketer before being a business development guy. Really, my entire career was in marketing. Marketing is nothing more than storytelling. It's about basically bringing folks along with you on a journey so that they can find what you're presenting or delivering or selling impactful and beneficial and insightful. And so... As a storyteller, whether we're storytelling from a brand perspective, from a digital podcast a program, or whether we're talking to a potential customer or existing customer, you want to be able to tell that story and to be able to articulate that vision of how exactly your organization will help them accomplish that future goal, learning from the past experiences, but we're doing it today, right? So the present, in a way, is the bridge between the the past and the future, right? And so in my day-to-day, although I haven't really thought about this in this light, but your question kind of makes me think about it, both from a business development and from a marketing standpoint, what we want to do is help our organizations, our partners, our customers, essentially help their end users, right? I.e. their consumers or their patients with better outcomes. And so What does that better outcome mean? It means curing a disease or it means extending the life of someone or resolving a medical problem of sorts. And so from my company's perspective, if our engineering prowess can help a med tech company develop a device and launch and improve a device that will make people's lives better, healthier, and longer, then... That's it. What else is there that can be more aspirational than help people live a better life? I don't think there's any other industry that can come close to the medical and the med tech industry in terms of making the planet and the inhabitants of the planet better. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer to that question. And I think that, like you said, it's just such a unique industry in that way. And so it, it definitely brings up different considerations, perhaps, than other jobs or careers. Okay, well, is there a particular moment that stands out to you because it clearly confirmed that this was the right career path for you? Yeah, certainly as family members have become ill or even lost their life because of medical conditions, that certainly raised my awareness as a was growing up and becoming more and more aware of 
my mortality and others, the people I love and their mortality and their lives. So certainly the fact that I've been touched as perhaps have all of your listeners and, and folks that we know been touched by illness and by medical conditions, if not ourselves, then by those we love. That always was in the back of my mind. And although I've worked in <laughs> soft drinks and hair care, <laughs> when I was with Procter & Gamble, I worked with Pantene and Head & Shoulders. And that's not saving lives necessarily. It's making you, I guess, feel better about yourself. And that's also important for mental health, et cetera. But really throughout my career, as I got exposed, as I said, with Hewlett Packard, I had a lot of engagement with hospitals and medical groups in England. I worked with HP in the UK and also in Germany. And that was my first exposure. And it was, it's just so, what's the word I'm looking for? Empowering and rewarding. That's it. So rewarding to work with a company, to work with a customer and providing a solution, a technical solution or whatever. When you know that solution is going to make people's lives healthier and longer and better. More than just, I don't know, build a better golf club, which is important too, certainly if you're a golfer. But my exposure at HP to hospital groups, medical organizations was the first time where I really got this personal satisfaction of seeing that what we're doing with our HP computers and printers and devices was actually helping the hospitals and the surgeons and the nurses and the practitioners make things better for their patients. And so when I was approached by a headhunter last year to join this company that is focused on med tech and medical device development, Polaris Systems, I met the founder and the president, still my boss, Walt McClay, and we just hit it off. And I wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off at six, and I'm excited because I feel like, okay, we're going to work not on a chip or a sensor, or we're not going to work on a wireless connection or power management solution. We are working on something that will make somebody's mom, daughter, sister, a friend live longer and live better. And so that makes me want to get up and makes me want to put in another good day of work. And I approach it with a lot of passion. If I may say this, Lindsay, it's an analogy I always like to say. Also, when I'm talking to new employees who join my team or others, there's this old story of the king visiting these folks, bricklayers, putting bricks down on this construction. And the king asks the bricklayer, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just laying my bricks <laughs> day after day for the last 40 years and I lay my bricks. And then the king asks the second bricklayer, oh, I'm building dreams. I'm helping to build cathedrals and visions that will last generations long after I'm gone. And it's like, if you have that vision that what you're doing is more than just a stupid little brick, then your contribution is so much bigger than that. And therefore your passion about it will be uh, commensurate to your vision of what your contribution is. Yeah, I love that. I also love that story. Thank you for sharing that. I think I'm in a similar situation in that I'm also in marketing and being able to be in this industry is one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do because it is so impactful. And I agree with you, you know, you wake up in the morning and go, it's really not a cliche to say I am a part, maybe a small part, but I am playing a part in hopefully helping someone live a better, healthier, longer life. And my role is letting people know about what we do and yeah. 
and it's not engineering itself, but I do play a small role and that's really cool. Yeah. And it's not so small. I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, it's not so small a role. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. I know your career has been really eclectic. Essentially, you've gotten to work in a lot of different industries and for different companies. And I would imagine that along the way, you've picked up some good sort of leadership tips and tricks. Do you mind sharing your perspective on leadership? Yeah, sure. I think there's a big difference between being a leader and being a manager, right? That's a cliche of articles and uh, other uh, podcasts, perhaps, but you don't want to be just a manager going through the motions and ticking off the boxes in the to-do list. But a leader actually brings folks along on a common vision. And by definition, folks will come to the party with a different point of view, a different perspective, a different vantage point that is influenced by their personality, by their upbringing, by their history, by their preferences and passions. And so you need to be respectful. And I must say, I was not a good leader earlier in my career. I learned through the years, through good leaders of mine, by replicating and mirroring their behaviors and their attitudes, that you need to be uh, more empathetic and more understanding that not everybody, in fact, you don't want people to be exactly like you. I'm very outwardly enthusiastic. You can tell, right? I'm outwardly <laughs> passionate and energetic. At first, I used to think, why aren't those folks equally rah, rah, rah? They can be just as committed to the vision and even more so in their own way. And they're absolutely happy and passionate on the inside. And they don't have to demonstrate outwardly. So the extrovert versus introvert dynamic, et cetera. And so I've learned to appreciate that as a leader, what you want is people to rally behind and align with a vision and in their own way and in their own rhythm to follow along and to help build that. Not only follow along, but in many ways, lead the leader, right? And help move the organization towards that common goal. I also like this notion that not everybody needs to agree, but everybody needs to align, right? So you don't always need to agree. How can you expect a larger team of dozens and hundreds and thousands of people to agree on everything? It's impossible and thankfully so. But as long as folks align, then they can go towards that common goal with give and take and compromise, et cetera. So I think the biggest role of a leader is to bring those folks along on that journey with a combination of resolve and focus, but also empathy. The empathy part is what I learned later in my career because I was always, come on, let's do it. If you're not doing this, get out of the boat and all those cliches, right? You're either with me or what is it? Or... You're in front of me, and if so, step out of the way or something. And it's just so harsh. And and there can be cultural differences. There can be gender differences. There can be historical differences. And so I've learned, and I continue to learn more about empathetic and more kind of generous understanding of leadership because folks will contribute in, in different ways. I always find that there are fundamentally three major drivers in life. And I always go back to my personal life as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a brother, but also at work. There's three key senses or key drivers. One is a sense of purpose. You want to get up and you want to have a sense that what you're doing matters. 
we all want to feel that what we do matters. Hence the cathedral analogy, hence the we're here to help people live longer lives. That matters. So a sense of purpose. The other thing is a sense of achievement, a sense of accomplishment. So it's not just that kind of more ethereal sense of purpose and meaning to life and to what you do, but a sense of achievement. You're growing as a company. You're in percentages and in dollars and in market share and in number of customers and successful partnerships. So a sense of achievement, that's the athletic kind of sports men-like approach to not necessarily that you're competing and putting somebody else behind you, but that you're competing against yourself and you're getting better. And then I think the third big driver in life is sense of connection, of human connection, right? And we are very collaborative and gregarious and tribal animals. And that's why the pandemic was so tough. It was tough on us. It was certainly tough on my kids and children in particular suffered with skipping a year and having to do it at home. I'm just saying, being away from other human beings is tough. And so in this new day and age, especially post-COVID, we're still very much doing Zooms and Teams and podcasts, which is great. But every chance I get in the car, like I told you I'm going to do in about 15 minutes, and I drive an hour and a half to see somebody. I yeah. live in northern in Del Mar, north of San Diego. I'm driving up to San Clemente in Orange County, just south of LA, to meet somebody for a 40-minute lunch because I need that human connection. So yeah, sorry, another long, elaborate answer to your question. But for me, leadership is about connecting. It's about giving folks a sense of purpose and meaning. And it's about allowing folks to also accomplish and celebrate accomplishments and achievements. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And so how do you continue to prioritize your own learning and growing as a leader and perhaps as a manager as well? Yeah, I'm very big on this. I love learning and I love teaching. I Mm. always try to remember when I lie down in bed at night, I'm trying to remember, okay, what did I learn? What are two highlights from today? And what did I teach? What is something that I share with somebody today that I think will also maybe improve their lives or their journeys? And I do the same thing with my kids. When I pick them up at school, three highlights. What did you learn today? And how did you make your school day better for your teachers, for your classmates? I've been doing this since they were kids. And I only speak Portuguese with my kids. It's so funny because uh, if I speak English with them, they'll just say, Papa, that's weird. Don't do that. uh, (laughs) Even though they're 15 and 13 and One was born in England. The other was born here in San Diego. I only speak Portuguese with them. And so I'm always prioritizing continued learning. I got a doctorate in business years ago in New York and in Paris, not because I needed it for business. I only did it because I want to publish and I want to teach one day. I'm very big on mentorship. I'm training four different people now in different companies in different countries. I'm also mentoree, if that's a word. I like to mentor. I always seek out mentors. And right now yeah. I have two. One helping me on more strategic financial PL, managing the financial health of a company, which is not something that I was ever that close to. And mm-hmm. one is helping me more on those topics I mentioned earlier about empathy and about those emotional intelligence as well which uh, historically has been a little bit of a blind spot for me. So those are two areas 
that one is more hard skills, financial skills, strategic running a business. And the other is more about how to be a better, more empathetic human. And so that's something I do all the time. I also, whenever I can, I, I, I do an executive program. I'm looking forward to doing a short program at Stanford University up in the Bay Area soon. And it's great to, to be able to do these programs, to be around like-minded individuals or maybe even unlike-minded individuals, but folks who also are looking to improve themselves and, and learn regardless of age. I'm 55, but I still want to learn as much as when I was 25. And just as I like to learn, I like to teach. So I love to present at different events and also mentor, as I said, I'm advising different entrepreneurs on their organizations as well when I have the time and the opportunity. So yeah, continued learning both ways is a must. Otherwise, you're a bike and a bike, if it stops moving, it falls over. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yes. What a perfect illustration. Thank you for that. My next question ties into that actually pretty well. So I'm happy about this. So for fun, imagine someone were to offer you a million dollars to teach a masterclass on anything you want. It doesn't have to be in your industry, but it could be. What would you choose to teach and why? For a million dollars, I could do anything at all. I'll make it up as I go along. Right, right, right. We'll use ChatGPT to really learn about it 15 minutes before the master class. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I probably wouldn't be as knowledgeable and therefore not as passionate about it. And they wouldn't want to give me the full pay for the event. No, but on the professional side, more corporate side, I'm passionate about marketing, about helping organizations, helping my organization move from awareness to consideration, to preference, to purchase. And I feel that I'm very comfortable talking about this theme of growing brand awareness and generating leads and pipeline. And ultimately, like we were talking about storytelling, helping folks come along on that journey with you so that you are saying the right thing to the right person at the right time and the right particular need whether it's a, a B2C consumer need or a B2B kind of business need. And so I can talk about marketing and all the, its different aspects and tactics and vehicles till the cows come home. But nobody would pay even $10,000 for that because there's a lot of knowledgeable people who know a lot more about that than I do. One area that I find I'm equally passionate more on the personal side, but that it touches obviously businesses and corporations and organizations as well. It's a combination of international, intercultural experiences, having lived in nine countries, speaking five languages and having been exposed. I've visited about 65 countries. I actually took the time to count one day. I've understood that actually the world as diverse as it is, at the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing, right? It's just in a different way, in a different language, in a different approach, but everybody just wants to live a meaningful life. I'm not even going to say a happy life because happiness is relative, but a meaningful life. And they want to give their children or their loved ones the opportunity to do so as well. And so I'm, I've always been very big on inclusion and diversity, not so much from the kind of catchphrases which are so topical today and can generate all kinds of emotions, both positive and negative, but more from the point of view that from an early age, 
I moved around the world. I had to learn different languages. I have to learn different habits and different attitudes. And so I find that I adapt myself easily to who you mentioned, different industries and different types of organizations from a Fortune 10 company to a small boutique engineering services firm. So that's something I would love to teach a masterclass about, how to adapt to different scenarios. And certainly in terms of moving abroad, (laughs) my friends and colleagues always check in with me (laughs) if they're either visiting a place or moving to a place. What are some tips and tricks? So that's something I'm very passionate about, international and intercultural experiences. Oh, I love that. Well, and that is so cool, too, because of your background. Like you said, you have had such cool opportunities to to travel to different places and experience different things. So I really think that adaptability is such a good skill to learn. I can say that from personal experiences as somebody whose natural inclination is towards the more sort of routine driven, you know, learning to adapt (laughs) and be flexible is so important. Okay. What is the one thing you wish to be remembered for after you leave this world? I'm never going to leave this world. I'm immortal. (laughs) All right. Yeah. It's so stupid, isn't it? We come to this existence we live 80 if we're lucky 90 years and then we're gone it can't be it can't be when we were in our 20s and 30s we think we're gonna live forever and then certainly as friends and elderly parents or relatives leave this world too you realize yeah this 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 gig is not gonna last forever i do want to be remembered as more than anything as a good father and a good husband and a good son and a good brother. I'm not always (laughs) as those relatives would happily testify. I'm not always living up to my promise and my aspiration, but that's certainly my aspiration to be remembered as a good um, parent and husband above all, but also as a good friend and a good son and brother. That's that's kind of the journey in the here and now that I'm on at all times. And so I try to remind myself in moments of stress, anxiety, sleeplessness, whatever, and try to remember this is your ultimate goal. What is the right behavior, the right thought, the right action for the moment? Also, just more generically with Valer Systems, the company that I work for that helps organizations build their medical devices and their wearable devices. And we talked about this at the beginning, how I'm so happy that I work for a company that's making organizations better so they can make their patients better. I want to leave Volare system better than when I arrived, just as every other company that I worked for, I wanted to leave the company and the team and the organization, the department better than when I arrived. And I think that's my summary is to just leave this place quote-unquote place, whatever the place is, a company, a city, a community, a planet, better than when I first got there. That's that's my legacy. Now, I am far from this, but certainly it doesn't hurt to have a, a wish and a desire and an aspiration, kind of a North Star to help guide. I fall down time and time again in this goal, but it's still my goal. I'm not letting go of it. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that though. I I love the perspective. In fact, I don't think I've heard anybody else say it quite like you did in terms of if you have a goal and it's your North Star and this is how you want to be remembered when you're feeling not at your best, you still have something to look at and go, you know what? Here's my ultimate goal. So here are the behaviors that, <laughs> or the things I should say or not say to help get you closer to that goal. Right. I think that's a, a beautiful way to put it. So it's not this aspirational idea that feels somewhat insurmountable or even unquantifiable, but instead you're doing tiny steps, tiny decisions make a big difference. So I love Absolutely. That. Everyone should have a North Star. Everybody should have an ultimate goal, both in their personal, family, professional, financial, romantic, religious, spiritual, whatever. Everyone should have a goal. And then you have mini goals and mini objectives to get there. And the line from here to that goal, to that North Star is never a straight line. It's a zigzag. Sometimes it goes backwards. Sometimes it stalls for two years, but you should always be aspiring to get there. And so if you have a goal aspirational and unreachable, but still possibly reachable, then it's going to keep you motivated and focused and you will make mistakes and as you will invariably because we're human, but you will learn from it. And at least one thing you can rest easy in knowing that at least that North Star does not change. Yes. Great advice. Thank you. And then final question. What is one thing that makes you smile every time you see or think about it? <laughs> oh, that's so easy. My kids and my wife. <laughs> they crack me up. They're the three most incredible people I've ever met. And yeah, and it's just so interesting for those listeners who have kids. You had this little baby that you shaped and molded. And pretty soon that baby becomes an actual human being with thoughts and opinions and perspectives and intelligence and humor and wit. And some of it does not match what you say. And you're like, where is this coming from? And it's like, oh, I'm in awe. So yeah, Olivia and Nico and Lindy, that's who makes me smile the most every day. And I, I live a blessed life because of them. Oh, I love that. What a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> You'll like it too when they hear the recording. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, awkward. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so thankful that you joined us today. And I just really appreciate learning more about your background and your experience and your passion. And so I really appreciate your time. And we're honored to be making a donation on your behalf as a thank you for your thank time you. today Thanks. to save the children which works to end the cycle of poverty by ensuring communities have the resources to provide children with a healthy, educational, and safe environment. That was your choice of charity to support, and I am just so thankful that you chose that one. So thank you again so much. This has been amazing. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you for that charitable contribution as well. And thanks for the engagement, Lindsay. I really enjoyed it. Let's do it again next week, shall we? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you again. We just wish you continued success as you work to change lives for a better world. And thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am right now, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a colleague or two, and we will catch you next time. 
The Leading Difference podcast is brought to you by Valentium. Valentium is a contract design and manufacturing firm specializing in the development, production, and post-market support of diagnostic and therapeutic active medical devices, including implantables and wearables for neuromodulation and other class three indications. Valentium's core competencies include electrical design, mechanical design, embedded software, mobile apps, contract manufacturing, embedded cybersecurity, OT cybersecurity, systems engineering, human factors and usability, and automated test systems. Valentium works with clients worldwide, from startups seeking seed funding to established Fortune 100 companies. Visit valentium.com to explore your next step in medical device development.